Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. With only a few exceptions, I have been preaching on the epistle lessons this year. Last year, I preached on the Old Testament lessons and two years ago on the Gospels. And I think the last time I preached on the Gospel this year was the fourth Sunday in Lent, Laetare Sunday. And it was the companion text to today's Gospels, the feeding of the 5,000. Today's the feeding of the 4,000. And I only remember that, that I preached on the Gospel for Laetare Sunday, because it was the first Sunday of quarantine. It was the first service I did alone, alone in an empty church online. So I thought today's gospel lesson would make for an interesting way for us to look back on the almost half year since then. As I mentioned before, the feeding of the 4,000 is the second time Jesus had fed a multitude. I had an atheist yell at me one time about all these apparent contradictions in the Bible, about how Mark records Jesus feeding 4,000, but Matthew records 5,000. And I just tried to calmly tell him that, that, no, these are two separate events. In fact, both Mark and Matthew record both of them. And actually, we know that they are different because in the first miracle, Jesus used five loaves of bread and two fish. And in this one, he uses four or seven loaves of bread, and a few fish. But it would seem strange that the gospel writers would record what is essentially the same type of miracle twice. But the men who are writing the gospel, as you remember, are not just guys writing down random events or, or the top 20 miracles of Jesus. These are men whom the Bible says were carried along by the Holy Spirit, who are writing with a specific purpose, to make a theological point, and it's the Holy Spirit who is causing them to do this. So what theological point is Mark trying to make? Well, first of all, notice what he records the disciples saying. Where can anyone get enough bread to feed these people here in this deserted place. If you had already witnessed Jesus feeding many thousands of people, and again, that you are here with many thousands of people, and Jesus says, they're hungry, what should we do? You would think that some bells would start ringing, and, and you would remember, oh yeah, I've seen this before. I know what Jesus is going to do. But the disciples don't. Their immediate danger and struggle is so overwhelming that they can't look to Jesus in faith. We have a hard time seeing what God has provided for us. And this has been the case ever since the fall into sin. When God created the world, he, he sustained us with fruit, freely, no work required. Adam and Eve didn't have to worry about a thing. But when Adam sinned, our diet changed. God said, by the sweat of your face, you will eat bread. 
You, you can't just walk along in the forest and, and pick bread off a tree. You have to work for it. You have to grow the grain, harvest the grain, make the flour, combine the ingredients, wait for it to rise, uh, make a fire, keep the impurities out, and finally bake it for the perfect amount of time. At any point in the process, something could go wrong. And in our lives, something always does go wrong with our work. Eventually, not even our work will be able to sustain us. The end of our work, as St. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, yes, the final result of those things is death. When we use the term bread, we use it as a term to stand in for everything in our lives. With everything in our life, we worry. Is this going to turn out? Am I doing the right thing? How long do I have to work like this? How long do I have to wait until my toil ends, till my hunger ends and the feast begins? And if we can, we always try to put off the inevitable. If the last half year has done anything, it's brought to the forefront some of our worries and concerns that have always been there in the background. And it's revealed some of our weaknesses. We want to control how we receive our bread, what it tastes like, and when we eat it. We want to try to control everything in our lives because we're afraid that we won't get the bread that we think we need. And when we lose our resources, when we lose our jobs, when we lose those things we've worked for, when when we lose our bread, it can be very painful. And this is especially true for, for things that we lose for the sake of Christ. I'm not talking about persecution necessarily, but a, a hidden type of persecution. The more time we give to Christ, the less time we give to other things, the less our chances are for getting a spot on the team, for getting a promotion. And of course, right now, the pandemic has brought to light that even attending church, singing and receiving the Lord's body and drinking of the Lord's cup and the Lord's supper, bring with them the ever-present and increasing possibility of getting sick. But I want you to notice something about the people who were fed by Jesus. They came out to be with Jesus, to hear Jesus preach. They left their work. They left their lives. They left everything behind to hear the word of God for three whole days to the point where they were putting their physical lives in jeopardy just to be with Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, you foolish people, you should have brought food, you should have brought bread. He doesn't say, you foolish people, you should have stayed home where it was safe. Jesus has compassion on them. He doesn't want them to faint on the way. With seven loaves of bread, Jesus feeds over 4,000 people. Jesus' miracle isn't just to show his power. In this second miraculous feeding, Jesus wants to show his compassion. Mark records this not as another miracle to simply show uh, awe and wonder, but to show a miracle of comfort, tremendous comfort. The difference is this. 
if this miracle happened today, a show of Jesus' power would be that if you came to church, ate the Lord's body, drank of the Lord's cup and the Lord's supper, that nothing physically bad would happen to you. You wouldn't get sick, you wouldn't get coronavirus, and you wouldn't die. You would live forever. That would show God's power. And of, and of course, God could do that. But God doesn't. In fact, we know that there is risk involved with all of these things. But is a miracle of power what we really need? The truth is, Jesus does perform a miracle today. The same sort of miracle. A miracle of compassion. And we've been just as guilty as the disciples for not recognizing it. Jesus provides people, his people, with the bread of eternal life every single week all over the world. Jesus sees us struggling in our daily lives, and he shows compassion on us. Jesus feeds us with the life of the Spirit. Through his body and blood in the Lord's Supper, Jesus feeds us. He gives us comfort. Christ performs a miracle of compassion for you every week. He gives you comfort for your work, for your toiling for good things for righteousness, for the bread of heaven, uh, over and above all the bread of the earth. For every Christian that strives for righteousness, who is ever feeling the weight uh, of things that weaken that purpose, the things that expose our vulnerability and our need, your work is not in vain. As St. Paul says, the one who sows for the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not become weary of doing good. So don't give up. God gives comfort, assurance, and he promises compensation for faithful, persevering service. God will provide what you need. Just like the 4,000 who traveled a long ways, stayed with Jesus for three days, Jesus is not blind to what you go through. He's not blind to what you've worked for. He's not ignorant of your hardships in your vocations. He's the one who allowed them, who permitted you to experience the things that you have. And he is the one who has always granted the increase and the blessing, whether we realized it or not. This is what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples. To help them see that it's not their work, their labor, their intellect that can save them. Rather, it's purely by the Lord's gracious compassion that we have anything at all. And by God's grace, we do have everything that we need. Jesus performs a second miraculous feeding to cause us to realize what increase and what blessing he has granted to us. So what has God done for us? In the last half year, more families have gotten in the habit of home devotions. Although the, our, our, our online viewings have diminished, I, I think one reason is that, that we realize that virtual church is not an adequate substitute for the real thing. It, it makes us hunger and thirst 
For hearing the word of God spoken among us, if only by the father of a household. After a fast from communion for, for so long, many families are communing more often, including on Thursdays in our private services. And many of you have hymnaries for your home, one of the best tools you can have for home devotional life. Families have grown closer. Things in our country that have honestly become idols, such as the addiction to, to be involved with every single activity possible, have subsided at least a little bit. The generosity of people in our community has been overwhelming. When this whole thing started, I was fear, fearful about the, the financial well-being of our congregation. But all of you have been outpouring in your generosity. And, and though our average attendance is, is way down, I, I think we're, we're doing even a little better financially than we are at most times of this year. Although I think we have some ways to go. And not only that, but, but the, the, the time and money that's been given to those in need in our community and to other churches around the world. Our two schools in Peru have already received the funding that they need. God will grant blessing for faithful service, for faithful work in the Spirit. Some blessings we can see. Some, or most, we won't know even what blessings for us until we get to heaven. God may permit us to go three days, seven days, or nearly six months or more until we see any result of our labor. God may allow us to get into difficult situations, but God will provide bread. He may not give us a lot, He'll give us exactly the amount that he gave to those 4,000 people. Enough bread to not faint on the way home. In other words, enough bread to go home. Your eternal home. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.